Welcome to the Technoid Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Katoon. On today's show, we have Mindy Kniebel. She is the CEO of Kaizen Health. This show is brought to you by Active Campaign. Go beyond email marketing with True Automation by signing up at activecampaign.com slash technori. Get your first two months for free. We have had a, I feel like it's been a busy month and a half. I don't even know what it's like to be in our office anymore. We've had events left and right. Um, one of the, I think, events that I'm most looking forward to coming up here is going to be uh, a partnership that my good friend Katie Lynch from Codeverse has put together with the Lyric Opera House, which is at 20 North Wacker. We used to office there, which is why this is kind of cool, because Lyric and I also went to some plays as a kid in school, and so I totally get what they're doing. Uh, they've partnered for an incredible video game theme production of Earth to Kenzie uh, that runs from November 5th to the 10th. You can buy your tickets at lyricopera.org. What else we got here? Uh, for this show and many other shows and all of our Instagram stuff, you need to follow us on social at Technori. Uh, for other interesting uh, conversations and, and stuff to follow us, follow me at Katoon. Um, the show today, we talked about a whole bunch of stuff back from, from Mindy's uh, upbringing in Iowa and the reason that Kaizen is such a, a personal uh, mission for her based on family members that have struggled and uh, in, in the health care industry, we talk about a million things. But the funny thing we don't really ever talk about is just like getting to your healthcare provider. And it's a huge issue. I kind of jokingly mentioned the fact that my dad is actually having a shoulder replacement this month. And I have, a, as you could probably imagine, a somewhat busy schedule. And my mom is the one who will be taking care of this. And how are we going to orchestrate taking my dad from the hospital back home and, and just dealing with that? And, and he's completely able-bodied. Um, and I obviously am and my mom is. But for the people who are not, they, they more or less just opt to not go. And that's like a huge problem uh, because you cannot not go to your to treatment because you don't have a ride. And, and I just sort of stumbled upon the realization that I had always just thought all these these old people in my building were just going to bingo at eight in the morning. It turns out they're getting on a pace bus to go sit at a hospital for treatment for nine hours because they literally have no other way to get to and from. And Kaizen Health is is a behind the scenes company that's going to change this. And the the market dressable market's like hundreds of billions of dollars, and it's just totally mind blowing. So uh, this is my conversation with Mindy Kniebel, the CEO and founder of Kaizen Health. So obviously, we've tried to get you in the show here for a little while now, and the timing couldn't be more perfect. Uh, I'm saying this with a half a smile, so my dad who will be listening can can know that I'm I'm joking sort of. Um, <clears throat> As he embarks on another surgery, and he's now, you know, he's, he's, he's getting up to almost 70, which is like a crazy thing to think. Yeah. And I just get to this point where, and maybe it's, it's like young, younger, th- this generation, we have like, unlike ever before, we've never really accounted for like, how do we take care of our parents? Right. Like not, none of us. Are. And like, no. even if we are, we're not. Like, it's, nope. <laughs> it's, um, it's just like, what sources and resources are out there for me to like take care of them? Because it's not going to be me. Right. And I, I just started laughing because my mom and I had a conversation today about what am I doing on the, the Wednesday of his surgery this month and then the Thursday when someone has to pick him up. And she's like, you're going to pick him up because, you know, you're, you're, you'll, you can handle after surgery behavior <laughs> yeah. better than I can. Yeah. And I, I just thought it was like so timely because what your business does, what Kaizen does is going to be one of the most important things for people who are 30 to 40 now in the next decade yeah 
because we've and, and like the the business is built for those who are older. It's not built for us, but the people who actually are going to benefit maybe the most are those of us who are younger who are trying to figure out like how are we taking these people to and from where they have to go to get surgery or to get rehab or to get you know medicate whatever it yeah. is. And for most of us, you know, it's, it's a weird thing. But like I was actually just totally make this full circle. I was talking to a, one of the people who works here at WGN, Tabitha. A little shout out to her husband Matt Green. Um, about their lives being totally involved in their child. Mm-hmm. And their lives are basically reduced, and mine too now as a father of a four-month-old, our lives are going to be compressed into basically stewarding around this child from place to place. And in the olden, olden days of like 1980, <laughs> um, yeah. we were fairly like sedentary as people. Like we kind of had our routines and your kid went to camp and I don't know. activities. Yeah, but, like you yeah, didn't like your bosses took them. Right. Like you didn't really go anywhere. No. And so like when you added the burden of another parent or, or a grandparent that you had to take care of, it didn't feel like it was that big of a burden. Right. We now live this like mobile life. Yeah. And we're everywhere. We're traveling. We're working remotely. We're just, we're, our schedules are like a bomb went off. Yeah. And I just don't think that like society has built a, a mechanism to like put that end of life care into the fit. It doesn't fit. No, and it's it's not all about end of life. I mean, think about yeah, that it. That was a very grim way for me to describe <laughs> it. I don't mean it's the end of your life. I just mean it's like it might be the end of my life. That's what I'm <laughs> sure. trying to stop. But think about if uh, if you didn't have a car yeah, um, and your kid needed to get back and forth to their medical appointments or get to school or get to the pharmacy. How are you going to do that? can't just go jump in an Uber or Lyft. It's illegal. You can't get in a taxi. Yeah, I so found that out. Do? I just I just found that out. Yeah. Like I I don't know how I must be insane. My wife probably is like, "What did I marry?" <laughs> when we when we started talking about like the child she's pre- so it's too late. She was pregnant at the time. <laughs> and she's like, "Well, you know, you're going to have to do this and that." And I was like, "No, no, you just stuff the kid in an Uber and, and send good. the Uber to the, wherever the practice right. is." And she's like, no. no, like that's not how that not until they're eighteen. <laughs> what? Yeah. So yeah, what what 18. do you do? Like, what do you do? I mean, I don't. Yeah, I mean, the truth is, I mean, if you think about our health, and you know, the company name is Kaizen Health, but our health takes place about ten to twenty percent inside of a clinical setting, right? Inside of a clinic or inside of a hospital. But everything else that we do is about our health. Going to get food, right? Yep. Go to the grocery store, getting to our jobs, getting to school, you know, getting our kids around, going to interact with society. Um, that's the other 80% of our lives. Yeah. And that is what makes us up and what makes us healthy. And so in order for society to move around, I mean, everyone has like different abilities. And so um, there's never really been a place to bring together all types of transportation into one place so that anyone, regardless of their physical or mental abilities, can get a ride. So we aggregate all types of transportation. So yes, we work with Uber and Lyft and taxis, but then we also work with wheelchair accessible vehicles and vehicles have car seats for kids. And guess what? It's not just a car seat. It's got to have the forward facing, the backward facing, the booster seats, right? And then you've got medivans, non-emergency ambulances, delivery and courier services for when you can't get out. And and people's abilities are constantly changing. Like your dad's having surgery in a few weeks. He's going to need help for a couple of days, a couple of weeks. He might go home in It'll a wheelchair. Because he'll, he'll be having a, a shoulder replacement. Oh, yeah. So no, that's God a, have mercy on our household. I will be thinking about you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I'll be thinking about you guys. But, I'll be yeah. thinking about you uh, there, Dad. Yeah. 
he, you know, he's going to need some help for a couple of weeks. But then a couple of weeks later, like he's going to need less help. And a couple of weeks later, he's going to need less help. And so, you know, if you think about, you know, someone who has a planned hip replacement, knows they're going home in a, a wheelchair, you know, for a few days, and you can sort of put a plan in place. Your dad is having a planned surgery, right? But what if one of us walked outside and fell and broke our hip and we have to go have our hip replaced? We're not planning on that, yeah. right? And so you all of a sudden are faced with all these logistical challenges. Like, are you having to go to like a skilled nursing facility to go recover for a few days? And then are you going home? And do you need a wheelchair for a few days? And then you're now you're up walking. I mean, things happen and change so quickly. Um, so you've got to be able to have all types of transportation to get somebody. They call it curb to curb, door to door, door through door, and bed to bed. I don't know why I'm surprised in any way that there's a a tur- like we talk about the last mile in every other business. Yeah. And it's I don't know why it never dawned on me that there, the medical last mile might have been the original last mile. Probably was the original last mile. It had mile. to be. Yeah. Well, maybe the cemetery might be the last mile. Yeah, that's probably I true. I don't know why I keep going <laughs> I was like, here. you keep going. <laughs> it's not a dark day. It's a beautiful day. I don't it know what gorgeous. my problem is. Um, no, I, I find this conversation fascinating on a personal level. And then the investor cap starts coming on, and, and I... Chicago has really blossomed into a healthcare city. I mean, we obviously yeah, had yes. recent acquisitions and um, we had Lavongo, which is no longer based here, but started here yep. uh, IPO and they just recently landed a gigantic contract. Thank God. Cause their stock recovered. Um, and that was good for me. <laughs> um, but the thing that I find interesting is you start looking at the total addressable market. And one of the areas that you have landed in, and there's a couple and I'll, I'll, I'll lay this out a little bit for the people listening. There's a couple of areas that I'm obsessed with right now. This is one of them um, because it lives in what I call digital purgatory. Mm-hmm. Digital purgatory for the listener who is younger, this makes sense immediately. For the older one, you're like, what do you mean? Uh, this is what I mean. Digital purgatory is for those who know a little bit about using their phone, their iPhone, and they, they kind of like navigate, but they're not used to being reliant on algorithms to determine where and when they do things and and, and, an app to set up their pickup and drop off and their lives are basically dropped on this this invisible you know line yeah it's like a like a factory line and young people are already used to it for sure and people who are my age are not which I'm, i'm not young but i'm not old obviously i'm 35 so i'm like right there in the middle um we are we have adapted for the most part so for me, I just assume that as I age and get older and as things come up, like I will not be offended, nor will I expect that my wife will drop everything and our family will stop what we're doing because I have to go to surgery. Like, unless it's like, you know, dire, right. I would assume that I'm just going to drop myself on, on the internet move and, and psh, off you'll go and off I'll go. And, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. Older folks are not there yet. No. And so we have this, this like patchwork healthcare system. And it, this goes for a couple other places too, um, where, they use digital up to a point and then they just sort of stare at the wall. Mm-hmm. And there are companies like yourself that are building and building and building and, and raising and prepping for the turnover of when, like you'll have a great business for the next 10 years, but it's the next 15 years where you yeah. have like ridiculous scalability because once the 35s turn to 45 and we start getting into the hospital care, yeah. more frequent thing, and our kids are are getting into you know things. breaking legs and, yeah correct yeah. all the good stuff right. um, we will be a natural flip oh for sure to that right for sure. and I and I think of businesses like esports to me it, this doesn't make any sense but esports 
and media as a whole are also very interesting to me because they sit on this line of we, we're used to watching physical people play football. Mm-hmm. We're going to move into a place where we gamble and play and exchange Bitcoin or whatever it is. Watching digital creations do ungodly things on a screen and that will be competitive and, and, and we'll be into it. Right. And so all those companies are spending tons of money getting into it, but the, it's not for tomorrow. It's like, you know, five years from now. Same thing with other media uh, entities that are building for short form and just different styles of stuff. There are a handful of areas where investors, I think, are just sitting back waiting for people like Kazen that are coming in to create a digital connective point that will, this is the wrong term, but will semi-automate a lot of the hardships that we currently are physically trying to do. Oh, for sure. I mean, in sort of the Medicaid space, your typical broker, um, you're having to call two to three days in advance to schedule a ride and you sit on hold and you jump through all this red tape and that's just not the expectation that we have today right so uh, we expect to pick up our phones I mean if you think about the Medicaid population that's pretty young typically um, so we built out a program um, with Molina and CareSource in Columbus Ohio they have the highest rate of infant mortality um, and they uh, the city hired uh, Sidewalk Labs one of Google's consulting companies to do research to try to figure out why. And they determined it was a lack of transportation to prenatal and postnatal appointments, as well as a lack of access to fresh food. Well, these women actually did have access to medical transportation. It was just through this very archaic process to be picked up at home, dropped off at home, two hour windows on either side of your appointment, you're calling in, and the women just weren't using it because it just doesn't fit into their life. And so we built out our web and mobile uh, platforms so that we could give them the control so the ride types are all controlled you know like how many times can they go to the grocery store to social services or to their providers or pharmacies and what time of day and what's the distance and what are the approved places and so there's all these like business rules that we've ingested but then by giving it to the women they can say here you go schedule your ride when you need it to the places and it's within our business rules and so it works Um, and it makes a big difference actually very compliant and there's also a lot of overhead in that space, right? Um, in the broker space, they're making 10 to $14 on the top of cost of each ride. If somebody else is just doing it from an app, think about how much you yeah. can lower that in. So my, my question was going to be um, the, the addressable market. Like, oh, How big of an opportunity is this for you guys? I mean, they say that the non-emergency medical transportation market is $150 billion uh, worldwide. That's insane. Um, by like 2022 or something like that. So it's huge. Uh, Medicaid alone is doing 105 million rides annually. Um, but, you know, if you look at sort of healthcare as a whole, we work with provider systems. We work in Medicaid and Medicare Advantage. We do clinical trials. We do in-home health care, senior living, um, work with municipalities directly. We work with nonprofits. So a lot of these sectors aren't counted in that. I mean, the the market is huge. Yeah, and I mean, I assume that that doesn't really also include the cost savings area here. Oh, like, not at all. If you looked at this as like a managed service, you earned all the, that business. Yep. And then you went back and built in fixes to make it more efficient. Yep. And you said, "I'm gonna, I'll own the cost. Don't worry about it. Yep. It's a big cost, but I'll own it." And then you went back and were able to figure out twenty, thirty percent cost savings, and that's all just profit for you. I mean, that would be. 
Or you can, well, we Or you could, can push it. I mean, you push back to them, obviously. Right. So, you know, in sort of the work that we're doing, the other big thing is transportation companies have been treated very poorly in healthcare. Um, so you've got this sort of traditional broker model where they're paid 50 or 70 cents on the dollar at best, and they're um, not treated very well. So when I, I did research, so I had some family problems that um, were the inspiration for starting the company. And so when I was doing my research, the transportation companies are like, I have no interest in speaking to you. I No more Medicaid rights, no more healthcare yeah. rights. And I'm like, tell me why. And they're like, A, we don't get paid well, and B, we don't get respected. And I'm like, okay. That so, answers so much. That right. like, literally makes so much sense. I was like, well, let's address those things. And so we've taken a big turn on sort of the economic model where the brokers have taken capitation. So they make the same amount of money every month if they give one ride a day or a thousand rides a day. So guess how many rides a day they're incentive yeah. incentivized to give? Not a yeah. thousand. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> we've turned into just a cost plus model where we are 100% transparent. We pay market rates to our transportation partners. And in sort of that broker model, they have a chance to go give a ride to the airport to somebody for a full fare versus taking a health care ride for 50 or 70 cents on the dollar. They're going to take the full fare ride yeah. all day. And then we wonder why health care transportation is broken. You know, something like four million people miss or delay medical appointments because of lack of transportation. Yeah. And we wonder, like, why we have these, like, terrible statistics. And it's because at the foundation we've treated transportation as, like, the redheaded stepchild. Yep. But really they're at the core of this and should be elevated. And that's what we've done. So we pay them market rates. Our administrative costs are so much lower because everything that the brokers are doing manually, right, like call centers, checking eligibility, plugging into four or five different programs, faxing over orders to a transportation company. Like, I mean, this stuff is so archaic. We're doing all that programmatically. So our overhead is so much lower. So we can pay the transportation partners better. We can lower the overhead and still lower the overhead or the overall cost of transportation and still be more profitable than the brokers. So, so. Y- you talked about the the amount of well, I mean, it's money lost and money spent on the insurance side for people who miss their mm-hmm. miss their appointments and whatever happens out of that. It's kind of a funny side story, but I live in a condo in Glen Ellen that is effectively we we say um, what is the word I'm looking for. Uh, we say this kindly. We mean this in, in good kind. It's essentially an old age home. Okay. It's like everybody is just a hundred. Yep. And I went to get I went to Northwestern Medical. I don't remember if this was for my hand or if it was for the kid. I, I don't remember what it was, but um, I was sitting there and I was like, man, this place is packed. And I, I talked to the doctor. He's like, oh, I'm normal day, like you know, whatever. I'm like, why? There's like 14 old ladies and yeah. men sitting out in the waiting room, and he's like, so they all. And apparently this is coming from, like, it, it, it tied things together for me. So when I leave in the morning, there's a pace bus. It's mm-hmm. like a little bus that comes through, and it stops at the two or three buildings that are right next to me. And all these old people pile on. I thought they were going to bingo or something. I don't know what the <laughs> hell's going on. Yeah. Apparently, this is a very common practice for all of those older folks who do make their appointments on time. What they have to do to make that work is they all have to pile into a pace bus yep. at, like, 8 in the morning yep. and go to their, to go to Northwestern Medicine. And then they sit there for hours. for hours. Yep. So like they all had an appointment anywhere from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. And they're still sitting there. And they just sit there because the only way for that to functionally work with people with them not driving, they're not really comfortable with a cab. Maybe they have yep. disabilities. They can't get in a cab. 
whatever. Don't have the money. Don't have the money, whatever it is. They yeah. have to sit and wait for a pace bus, and yeah. that's how this is done. That's what happens. That's the good version. Oh, that's a good version. That's the good version Yeah. Of this. I, that's insane to me. I grew up in Iowa um, in a town of like 25,000 people, so, you know, Think about how that's it would a huge be different. city in Iowa. Oh, it actually is. Like <laughs> yes, like, my, my, my family's but. from Almakee County in Iowa, in Upper Northeast Iowa, and that town's like eleven hundred. And yeah. some of the other ones are like we drove through a town that's like two hundred people. Oh, for sure, for so, sure. Yeah. Sides. Uh, no, yeah. I mean, it is sizable for Iowa. But my mom's sister had MS um, four years ago. She was only fifty-three. She lived at home, and she was perfectly able to take care of herself. But she started to lose a little muscle strength and needed physical therapy a couple times a week. Shouldn't have been a big deal, except she'd never gotten her driver's license because yep. she had five brothers and a sister to spoil her and drive her yeah. around. Um, and the Medicaid transportation there was so horrible. My family's all working. They're all very young. So she had no reliable way to get back and forth to physical, ther- physical therapy a couple times a week. So she had to move into a nursing home Monday through Friday. That's And would insane. go home on the weekends. And So the quality of life and the cost that the family pays for that is oh, insane it's well and it's medicaid paying for it i mean yeah i mean her experience is terrible yeah. i mean imagine being 53 in an end-of-life nursing home and she was miserable yeah. and so i started looking into other options for her but then my mother-in-law was diagnosed with stage four breast cancer at 55 a month later very different situation though yeah. like she's young she lives out here in the north suburbs she worked full-time had insurance good insurance she had a car she had money She's not the person that you think about needing transportation, right? Yep. But as she was going through treatment, she was just completely wiped out. Yeah, she can't drive. She home. couldn't drive. And so, you know, our family was lucky enough to shuffle things around and get her back and forth to treatment, you know, sometimes spending seven or eight hours on the road in a given day. But the situation that you were just describing, like during that time, we also saw people just sitting around for hours. Imagine going through chemo and then still having to sit there for four hours, right? Or a I'm dialysis. In a bad mood waiting in line at the grocery store. Right. Like, I'm very surly. Yeah. And as you're waiting a few minutes. Like, a dialysis patient, when I was doing my research, I um, talked to this young woman. She was about my age. And she was like, yeah, I only go to dialysis twice a week because I have to be picked up at home and dropped off at home. It's a four-hour long appointment as it is. You've got two-hour windows on either side of that where you're sitting at the door just looking and seeing, like, is my ride here yet? And she knows that if she goes twice a week, she can sort of maintain her health, end up in the emergency department once a quarter, and then in an inpatient stay. But she's like, if I could just be picked up at home and dropped off at work, I could go three times a week. And I'm like, well, why can't we do that? Yeah. Like, we can. Like, let's change this. So it's stuff like that that just nonsensical in today's world. So you talked a little bit about, obviously, the inspiration from from the family side as to like why you had a personal connection to the, to solving this but <clears throat> you have had uh as you self self-proclaimed startup junkie um <laughs> passionate about kind of solving these difficult problems that others sort of see but don't see the way you see it what has been your sort of story and journey just from a career standpoint like what bring what gets you to a point where like i'm gonna start kaizen i'm gonna do this and i'm gonna I'm like I'm in. Like I'm I'm gonna lock down my life and do this. <laughs> I don't know if I ever agreed to do it. I think yeah. it just happened. Um, so I actually started. I tell my, people I just get myself fired into a career. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I started my education very clinically. I've always been drawn to healthcare, so pharmacy and anesthesiology before deciding not to practice, and then um, sort of fell into the startup world, not on purpose. A lot of my friends were going, you know, and getting, you know 
jobs at you know large companies that was like the cool thing to do back then and I was like oh I'll go work at this startup or you know small company while I'm going to grad school and then just sort of fell in love with the idea that like at a small company or startup you get to do a lot right you get exposed to a lot like I grew up very quickly like my first startup after I moved to Chicago was homemade pizza company which I am not a foodie. I yeah. like food, but I, you know, they, it was a fantastic opportunity. I was like their first HR manager and we were growing like crazy and I knew nothing about that, but you know, here I was like 23 years old and like hiring people hats. like, yeah, like doing like payroll benefits, you know, like setting up new stores in different cities and learning all the compliance rules. And I mean, I had to grow up very, very quickly and then got into M&A in the veterinary industry. So we acquired and managed veterinary practices. And from there, went to a tech company and then got to sell that company and being on the selling side. And so it's just, you know, the, the challenges, the unique challenges. And I will definitely say without sort of all of these experience. And then the my most recent position was um, at Matter. I was the um, director of operations, uh, getting matter up and running a health tech incubator here yeah. in town. And we love Steve. Um, we yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, without the experience of sort of like matter and then sort of touching everything from finance, HR, business ops, you know, really exciting stuff like business insurance and it's like sort of learning all the things along the way. Thing. Right. Oh, yes. I really love that there's other people at our company that do that now and it's no longer up to me. But. We, we, I, <laughs> now is a great time to plug a previous podcast. We had Cover Wallet on just recently and um, you can go to the Technory, follow Technory podcast on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast or Technory.com for it. But one of the biggest things that we talked about, they have a thing called Startup Wallet. Mm-hmm. And the whole thing was like startups are and we, we can go into this for days on on the why this is but there it's ADD and just this like I only want to address problems that I actually can solve and learn and it's going to be most valuable to me and finding good insurance just isn't that thing and yep. like they they just take whatever is in front done yep because it's like if I if I tell you what I'm planning you're going to tell me that I need like 15 versions of coverage it's going to get stupid fast so i'm just going to tell you i'm a consultant and we'll call it (laughs) we'll call it a day yeah and it's like the the number of startups operating on just like errors and omissions insurance alone and like general liability is crazy yeah probably yeah we've been very lucky to have a great insurance partner thankfully i hope you guys will um yeah being in healthcare and transportation kind of like it's kind of like you might be the most insured yeah (laughs) we might be one of the most insured startups but it's like it's it's, so like it's stuff like this that I, i find interesting i've said this to this is probably not the audience but i mentor kids at northwestern students they're not even kids at this point um (laughs) grad students etc at northwestern and at marquette and i tell almost every one of them they're like oh we're thinking about grad school or whatever and i i haven't gone so far as to say this is this replaces actual basic like bachelor college but we're getting close based on the prices I would rather my daughter Vivian go and take out a credit card, not my money, a credit <laughs> card for 65 to 100 grand uh-huh. and spend it on a year to 18 months, ideally as long as she can and never, yeah. hopefully never run out, but like have an expiration date of like 18 months Yep. and build a company around. I don't even care what it is. Yeah. You will learn more about this stuff than business school can ever teach you. Oh, for sure. And you'll have a thousand connections as a result. And you're, it's the same amount of money. Oh yeah. (laughs) And in some cases, if you have a good lawyer, you can just write that down. Right. (laughs) You can't bankrupt your way out of a school debt. No, you can't. (laughs) So like, I, I highly recommend people listening. Like you didn't obviously plan to like, you know, 
shit can a hundred grand. But you did like definitely learn by jumping into the fire. Like this is something I can learn then this and this. And you sort of fold origami style into a career. And then the, the other part of this, I think is really important for people to know. And we can talk more about this on your end is um, the oh, man. I don't even know how to just because you have a great idea or access to funding doesn't necessarily mean now is the time for you to start something because I I feel like most of these founders that I meet, they're going through these problems where I want to say, yes, I can tell you kind of the way around it until you feel the pain Mm -hmm. on your own. I just don't think you're ready to, to take on a company. Like it's not easy. No. Right. Like, and even sort of like growing up in the startup world and seeing all of the ups and downs and craziness, like, I still like don't feel like I was prepared, which was a good thing yeah. because had I known what was going to happen over the last like three and a half years, I would have been like, hell no, I'm not yeah. doing this. <laughs> well, you ha- so like you get desensitized. You do. Like you I, do. I have almost no feelings at this point. Right. No. Which it, it's actually a challenge at my home life because what I think the majority of people like my wife deals with and her friends, you know, it's the most important thing today. The baby didn't sleep, whatever. It's right. like this thing. And for me, it's like, yeah it's, yeah, it's a thing. It's just another thing with another thing. Like I, until you've looked at your bank account and it's negative three grand and people are calling on money and you've got, you're like, what yeah, do I, yeah. Like, how am I making that next payroll? Yeah. yeah like that's real. Like that's pain. Right. Uh, and you get to a point now where it's like something gets dropped on the plate and like, Oh, but we'll figure it out. Like, we always it's do. Fine. Yeah. Yep. We always do. We yeah. always figure it out. I know it's a, uh, thankfully I'm like pretty easy going because I think sometimes you like, have to be my like you know our team will come up and they'll be like Mindy like there's this thing and I'm like all right cool down. like we're, we're good what is it like what do you think we should do you know like and you know then you fix it and move on and if you don't have the right fix then you go back and try again and it's cool but it's like you know early on when we were you know getting this company up and running and um, you know my husband was very encouraging and then very like cynical at the same time that's just yeah. kind of his personality but he's like he would My poke holes <laughs> he'd poke holes he'd be like because i'd be like okay well here's this thing and then he'd come back he's like well it could be solved this way or yeah. you know and and then i'd go back and find something and he's like i finally ran out of like holes to poke so i was like go no. do it right um and the plan was for him to you know, work and let me like do this. I had taken on some consulting work initially, but, um, and then his company got acquired and to Adobe and then he got let go cause he's in sales yeah. and then whatever. Um, but we ended up like blowing through our savings, got, we went $50,000 into credit card debt twice. Yep. Um, I know that one. W- went without health insurance for a year, like stopped paying our mortgage for six months and like all the things that I said, like up front, like we will not do this. Yep. And but you sure can't enough, do, you can't do both. No, I've come to that c- conclusion that like you can say. I said this to my wife before we got married. It's like I personally, not just because I'm nuts. I think we're gonna have a fantastic life. It's gonna be a lot of fun. But they're the only, and I, I really mean this. And anyone listening, if you're gonna start a company, I'm, this is not like food for thought. Like I mean it. You cannot successfully be a founder or run a company with rules no like laws is one thing yeah rules if you have preset rules like can't got to be home at this time got to do this got to pay this nothing can ever go (laughs) broke here sorry it doesn't work doesn't work that way because you're gonna have to beg and pull from the pot occasionally and for sure that's just the life i mean there's been 
so many ups and downs that you're like, is this going to make it? You know, yeah. especially early on. Is in like, the same week, by the way. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, in the same day, Monday. you could be like having like the best day, to, you know, and to start. Boom. And then it's like by lunchtime, it's like everything's blown up. And then by the time, you, you know, like, after, like, oh, you're like, this looks okay. all right, everything's <laughs> back to good. good again, you know. But it's like it's an emotional roller coaster for sure. I almost wonder if there's a personality people talk about the personality of entrepreneurs all the time. Yeah. It's, it's kind of played out, but the, I do think that there's like two types of personalities that have any sort of like preset chance of success. And I think it's either completely tyrannical mm-hmm. and they control everything and they're just a total asshole to work yep. with, but they get it done. Always. They yep. always finish. Yep. And the other one is someone who's completely self-content passive, which you're describing I, yourself as like, yep. I'm like that. Like I'm, tyrannical in certain aspects certainly you have to be yeah Yeah. but like i am i don't think that the the throttle never i don't boil it over it's always like i might be geared up on the energy side but like on the on the where you have me at like you have to do a lot oh to get me to like actually like red line yeah i one of my colleagues uh said he's like never heard me raise my voice and i'm like what's the point like I mean, is that going to really do anything? Like, I can get my point across if I'm not happy with how something's going with a, a vendor or, a, you know, a colleague or whatever it might be. It's like I can have a conversation and still get my point across without screaming and yelling. If I do that, if I go off on a on a rant or tangent, it's uh, manipulating. Oh, for it's sure. Me do, it's, it's me doing it. Like, I know. I'm, you know I go in, doing. I'm like, I know that this person will respond to that. For sure. So I'm literally going to go in and just throw everything at the wall because I know that that will freak them out. Yep. Yeah. But like my actual like sub, which yeah. is why I think I'm able to do that because like I, I can be in, con- I can say all the right things because I'm in control. Like, right. I'm still- and I think I just like, I run at such like a high level of like stress, anxiety, ADD, yeah. OCD, like that, like it's just normal, but that's my normal. Right. And so like for me to like get above that, I mean, that's like difficult to push me sort yeah. of above that. And so I think just because I run up here, it's like, it's fine. Is So a million dollar <laughs> question on this is when you were younger, was that, were you always at that like kind of point? I mean, obviously there's like the growing up maturity age. That's a little different, but like I was just, I actually wrote this note down when you're talking about like, if somebody asked me and I've answered this and didn't say this, but now I would from now on, I will answer this way. Um, when I knew I could be, or would be an entrepreneur in retrospect, I could have told you I, I should be an entrepreneur when I was 16 years old, sitting in a van, going to a golf meet and my coach said I'm uncoachable and I was like oh I should have told you right there <laughs> entrepreneur completely there's no way that you'll ever work on like a team that you're not somehow uh-huh. architecting interesting were you as a youngster a person who always was sort of like I'm in control of it like I'm calm or did it take you like 10 years and a a lot of no <laughs> I was a little bit of a control freak I mean so as I look back at who I was sort of like growing up, I played four sports. I was on the dance team. I was in band, chorus, mock trial. So you were a higher achiever then. I was like, and good at school naturally. And like, I just was like, go, 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 go. And just like very interested in everything. But I could not let myself fail either. Um, You know, if I got a B, like, I was like devastated. I was actually, my parents just moved um, a couple months ago. And so I inherited all of this stuff from when I was a kid and I was going through it um, the other day and I showed my husband, I was like, look, like this is like, I don't know, uh, high school uh, chemistry or something. And I was like, oh, I'm like, look at this. I got a B plus. He's like, but why down here do you have like, 
you have over 100 percent in the class and he's like oh because you look right here and it's like you did like extra credit work yeah, he's like of, of course. course you would yeah. and i'm like well why wouldn't you and he's like because who cares and See, I'm like, i lived but on I extra credit but not the actual work <laughs> like i would i would be, I, I would go in and tell the teachers i'd look through the syllabus and be like all right so if i skip these classes and i don't do these and this and i don't do homework i'm at what like a 70 percent so if i do the extra credit and i perform here on the on the midterms <laughs> I'm a B. I'm a good. Right? And they're like, yeah, you're good. I'm like, but I, I don't recommend it. I'm like, no, no, no this is what I do. I'm, <laughs> this we're, is, I got this I, figured I, out. I feel like, so I wasn't like you in the, I was go, go, go. And when I was into something, I was obsessed. So like yep. when I would get into sports, whether it was basketball, baseball, every sport, I had a season where I was like, I would make MVP at all conference. Okay. But then the other seasons, it would just be like, just guy. It's fine. Yeah. Because it was like, I'm obsessed. I'm going to become the best shooter. I'm obsessed. I'm going to become the best golfer. That year and that time, I'm... Pfft. You're all in. I'm all in. But then after that, once I achieved it, I didn't give a yeah, shit. It was, yeah. It's just whatever. It wasn't. So I think for me, like, and I think it speaks to my career, I'm not good at anything. But I'm, like, okay at, like, a lot of things. Yep. Um, you know, But I you could, outwork everybody. I could write a little bit of code, right? Like, I know, like, finance world. I know HR. Yep. You know, I know, like, all the sports. But it's, like, I'm never going to be an expert in anything. Yep. Like, a CPA, you know, anything like that. I'm like that, like that too. I think know, I, I have the extra gear. That's my – my strength is not that I have an expertise in something in particular as much as great general knowledge and an, a gear that I can reach that others can't reach. Yeah. It's but like, I just – can't stop yeah yeah no that is <laughs> no it's, a, it's the motor it's all speed all go yeah. no stop and like everything is a task in my head so like it doesn't matter to me whether there's a hundred of them or two of them yeah i don't stop until it, the book the loop is closed it just doesn't yep. turn off no and yeah it's so i just think it's it's fascinating when i have conversations with people like with, like you because it's like there is definitely a makeup and we can argue all day entrepreneur made or taught yeah. or whatever there's a certain like stay above the fray never really dipped into the troubles that other people got lost in because it was just never never even dawned on me nah, like i never didn't thought have time of it. yeah I, I didn't even i didn't realize that was an option no. like it wasn't like, no. like i knew where i was going i didn't know where nor did i care where you were going like, <laughs> right like that was not part of the equation which is going to be huge for you obviously as as kaizen scales up because it's like there's going to be a million entrants and yeah, there's already a handful of competitors. One's already exited. Had a nice exit like a year ago. What are you um, doing? Let's go. Let's go. I'm not ready to no, exit I'm yet. Just, I'm, I'm just got a lot of work to do. Um, we, uh, yeah, I feel like we're just scratching the surface. So, you know, I, you know, just the other day, one of our uh, clients, Cone Health, um, they're out in North Carolina, shared with us a story. And, you know, I get pretty removed from sort of like, patient interaction or you know like more direct uh, interaction these days but they shared with us that this woman had um she had cancer and she had been going to her oncology treatment her neighbor had been taking her and i guess the neighbor made some like off-the-cuff comment that like and it wasn't like supposed to be like like intentionally like bad but i think she took it that way it's like oh i kind of have to plan my whole day around you um Uh, when i'm taking you to treatment and so the woman was like Okay, so she didn't go to our next treatment. She told her neighbor, I don't, no, I'm good. I don't need a ride. She didn't go. And so the nurse called and was like, hey, where are you at? And she's like, well, I'm not going. I'm discontinuing my treatment. It's too much of a burden on my neighbor, and I don't have any other way to get there. And she's like, no, 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 no. She's like, we have a program through us, Kaizen, and everything we do is branded on behalf of our clients, though, yep. so no one ever knows. No patients know who Kaizen is. But So she got rides back and forth to her oncology treatment a couple of weeks ago. She rang the bell. She was done. She's awesome. cancer-free. But that woman had given up 
And so it's like when I hear stories like that from our clients, I'm like, I can't give up. Like these guys aren't giving up. Like I, we have so much work to do. Yeah. So it's going to be a long time. It's a great story. Uh, where do people go to learn more and follow you guys? Uh, Kaizenhealth.org. Very easy. Yeah. Very cool. Thank you so much. Thank for you. In. Of course. To invest in featured startups or apply to pitch on the Startup Showcase live on WGN Radio, go to technori.com. Boom. That's a wrap.